0: we have been doing a uh, teaching series all semester long called inside out uh, and what this is is an exploration of uh, what it means uh, to in our discipleship uh, which those who have been around what is discipleship following yeah we just that's we're real simple around here we we call discipleship following it so it's how we follow Um, and so for us as uh, christians as disciples of jesus we are people who follow in the way of jesus Uh, so as he goes that's how we want uh, to go Uh, and that's a that's a simple way to put it but it's it's really powerful and we find it uh, really profound and life-changing to pursue uh, following in discipleship uh, with jesus but there's all kinds of dimensions to that. And what we, uh, what we end up kind of sometimes doing uh, as Christians is we, uh, we, we focus on uh, inside things. You know, how do I go deeper? How do I... Uh, how do I become a better Christian? How do I uh, grow a better relationship with God? Uh, we we find ourselves in community. So we focus on community and the things inside community. Uh, and there's a lot that's very, very important with that. And we're focusing on that as one piece of uh, what we're doing through this semester. But then uh, also we find ourselves thinking um, what is our mission and how does that motivate us as people in the world who literally live in this world uh, every day, uh, and what does it mean to follow Jesus in that kind of way? And so there's this: uh, we we kind of think about things inside, and we think about things outside, and often we 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 tend to lean one way or the other. Uh, some, sometimes in the language that we use, and the things that we teach and talk about. Uh, but this semester we want to say, but well, both of those things are equally important. And you don't talk about one thing without talking about the other. Or you don't, you don't learn about uh, one thing without it motivating you to go deeper uh, in, in the other thing. Uh, and so they are, they are integrated. They are inseparably linked. So we, we truly are an inside-out people um, in all ways. And so one thing I want to uh, ask you tonight, uh, as we're thinking about that, is, uh, is this question. Why do we feel so lonely when we're surrounded by so many people? That's, your, that's a question for you. You can answer that. Why do we often feel so lonely when we're surrounded by so many people? The rise of social media, okay. Uh, Do you think this phenomenon existed before social media? Yeah, it's amplified, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, social media may have contributed uh, to that uh, for some people, which is kind of ironic, right? It's supposed to be a connecting type of uh, technology and experience, right, but it leads, or it, it can be a contributor to a greater sense of loneliness, right, okay? Why do we feel so lonely when we are s- surrounded by so many people? Okay. Because there is something innate in us that wants to be with other people, but we've there's all these people. Why do we still feel lonely? What's that? Everyone's distracted. Okay? So... So maybe that's the, the, what we're looking at there We're there's a distraction. There's some kind of distraction that keeps us from those real connections, right? Okay, Nathan? I think about how the only socially acceptable answer for how are you is good. So maybe good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, our, our, our greeting, right? Our common greeting is how are you, right? So what is the only socially acceptable answer to that? Well, I'm good. Okay, and that's, like just, that's just a common interaction, right? We can read a lot into that or a little into that. Uh, but it's kind of telling about uh, often our lives in general where we're, um, even, even outside of you know, little things like that, we're not truly honest with each other. Because who wants, now you know, be honest, who wants to receive the answer, oh, I'm really bad, let me tell you all about it right now. Right, <laughs> I was. I, I don't even know you. I was like, going to Wendy's. Yeah, what else? Why are we? Why are we such a lonely people? And uh-huh. yeah, sure. Mhm. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of surface level interaction, don't we? Right. Um, and that's just a reality for us, isn't it? Um, how do, you know how do we go through our days having dozens, if not sometimes hundreds, of interactions with people, and yet at the end of the day we still feel kind of isolated, don't we? I mean, it's very, very common. Um, well, I want us to look at a story tonight, and it's a, it's, it's not a. It's not a story we go to when we talk about uh, these kinds of things all the time, uh, but it's a really interesting story about an interaction uh, that Jesus had. And, and, it's, and it's a quick little story, and it's, uh, and it's told one place in one gospel, uh, the, the book of Luke, the 19th chapter. And I want us to uh, go there and read that uh, together. So uh, it'll be on the screen here if you want to follow along. Um, but I want to set the stage here a little bit this is a during a time uh, when Jesus was doing a lot of traveling so J- Jesus was traveling throughout of you know, the, the land uh, of, of Palestine uh, what is Israel today and uh, he was getting a lot of to uh, He's getting a lot of traction in his ministry. He's getting a lot of popularity. So a lot of people were starting to know who he was. He was getting notoriety, and people were getting really curious about Jesus. So, so this, was, this was during a really important time in his ministry where lots and lots and lots of people were getting really interested in this Jesus guy. So he goes to the town of Jericho. Uh, And it says uh, in Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Um, We don't have Sabrina here uh, tonight. We were going to have a little uh, uh, role play. Uh, We're not making fun of Sabrina. She's short. Some of you are tall. Uh, (laughs) So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. He's a resourceful guy. Uh, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All right. So, this is an interesting story. It's kind of a simple story uh, in its its elements and its characters, but I want to restate the story just to, to maybe simplify it a little more. Okay? Step one. Short guy climbs tree to see Jesus. Okay? You got. It? You following me? Step two. Jesus sees a short guy, invites himself over. Okay? <laughs> Hold on. Do you need to take notes? Step three. And final step. What's that? How would you say it? That's <laughs> just so okay, good salvation, Nathan said salvation. I said short guy's life has changed, right short guy climbs tree, Jesus sees short guy invites himself over short guy's life is changed. simple story, right? Maybe even too simple uh, and I think I think we do have just in how the story is told uh in the gospel we have as as is I think normal we have some simplification. There's probably details that are left out of this interaction and what took place, um, but I want us to think about. So, in the context of this, right? We were talking about this is during a really um, a really famous time of Jesus's ministry. So he's he's very popular uh, during this time. So remember that context. Because what I want to do with this story is what we often do with stories like this and find some meaning in it based on what didn't happen, right? You're probably kind of tired of us doing that uh, at this point. But I think it's also very important to think about it this way when we look at this story. Um, Popular preacher visits town, basks in the glow, Of his adoring fans. Are you with me so far? This is the story that we could tell. He dines with the important folks and gets them to donate to his ministry, as you do as a popular preacher. There's our story. Popular preacher visits town. He has an adoring crowd. He waves hello to his adoring crowd. He speaks wonderful truths to this adoring crowd, and they are amazed by him, and they go home. There's our story of what could have happened in the town of Jericho this day, 2,000 years ago. Instead, we do have a popular preacher, right? I mean, we're... we're, We're kind of on board with that at this point in Jesus' life. Popular preacher visits town, picks out one unsavory person in the crowd to spend time with, gets criticized for doing so, and said unsavory person is deeply impacted forever. One thing that happens here that ends up being a theme for Jesus, I think, a very, very important theme, is that instead of just drawing crowds, preaching to the masses, doing his thing with great and unparalleled success, the stories of Jesus... And hear this, the stories of Jesus end up being so often about the one-on-one encounters that he has. Like We could have left Jesus in this really high place up on the mountain delivering the truths of God to the thousands upon thousands upon thousands. But that's not the stories we end up reading of him over and over and over, right? He forsakes the crowd to invest in one person, right, Zacchaeus. He sits at the well with an outcast Samaritan woman. He has a late night conversation with a Pharisee who's struggling with the truth. He heals a chronically sick woman who reaches out and touches him from a crowd. He reaches out to a crippled beggar and helps him, even though it's the Sabbath, and he can't, technically. He stands an adulterous woman up. He speaks to her. And he forgives her after sending who? The crowd away that wanted to stone her. He went from disciple to disciple, individually washing their feet, before going to his own crucifixion, right? So in this, and we can go on and on and on, in this I think we see a very, very critical thread to the way Jesus is leading us as disciples, right? Followers. Because he's very, Interested in his personal connection to people and what that meant for them. Now, I want you to hear that. I want want you to hear what I'm not saying, too. Don't hear. He was very interested in his personal connection to people and what it meant for him. For him, it was always about what it meant for them. So, to take just a, a few simple things away from this, I want to encourage us as a people who are followers to do this as well and to seek purposeful relationships. I want you to to hold this question in your mind, and it's it's not to throw you off or push you, but it's a real question that we need to always ask ourselves, and that's how many people really know you. I mean really know you. And its companion question is, how many people do you really, really know? I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to tell all of you, every one of you, every last one of you, stop assuming everybody has their friends, right? I see this all the time. I get to stand in a place with a lot of you where I get to witness your loneliness while believing everyone around you is socially secure. It is epidemic. Epidemic. So It's my day, right? Meet with somebody. I'm lonely. I don't have people, but everybody else does. Next person, I'm lonely. I don't have people, but everybody else does. Next person, I'm lonely. I don't (laughs) wait. Something's not adding up here in reality, right? Because everybody's assuming that everybody else just has this circle that is perfect for them, and I can't really get into that. <laughs> Everybody thinks that, and everybody's alone. <laughs> Nobody ever reaches out to me. I've tried. Nobody wants to be my friend. And we're being oversimplified. We're being a little dramatic here, but it's what I hear underneath a lot of the words, right? Nobody reaches out to me. And what happens when you have a whole group of people who we are thinking that way. I wish somebody would come to me and be my friend, right? To really know me. You have a lot of people, right? A lot of people in very close pr- proximity who float around in a very lonely place. So being purposeful, this is what we're talking about. We should seek purposeful relationships. But you have to be purposeful in seeking purposeful relationships. And that often means that you're the first one to seek it. It means you have to be the brave one to go and invest in somebody's life, to be in somebody's life, to request access to somebody's life. And I want to I encourage you That probably more often than not, there's people all around you who are dying to give you that access to them if you will just ask for it. If you will just ask for it. So secondly, it means that you want it to have meaning, right? Which means, and Nathan brought this up, we need to find ways to get past the surface Right. I want to encourage you guys. So we have, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, um, we have a, this, this really amazing, like, even daily dynamic in this community here because we have this really amazing blessing of having our own building where people can come and gather, and there's people, like, just in this space alone. There's people in and out of here all the time, always interacting with each other, always doing fun things with each other, studying with each other, or being together and in late into the night, right? But we, we know, too, that it's really easy to be, even on that level, even when it's daily, it's easy to always be surface, right? You just kind of skid along the surface with each other. That's like our human nature for some reason, for whatever reason. That's our human nature. But what we have to do is we have to purposefully and intentionally break through that. We have to get through that. We have to want to know each other. We have to want to be aware of each other and what is in your life and what's going on and what are your what are your struggles, what are your joys, what are the things that are really brewing in your soul at this moment, and we're like, ooh, that that feels uncomfortable. Sometimes, but I guarantee you, if you're the one who's willing to break through that surface, man, people love to, to follow. We can do that. Resist the social pressur- pressure to always keep things light and, and jokey. I mean, I fall into that. We should seek purposeful relationships, we need to find the ways to get past the surface. And we need to stop experiencing relationships as the experience of people valuing you and start practicing valuing others. Let me say that again. We need to stop experiencing relationships as the experience of people valuing you and start practice valuing others. Right? Jesus himself said, the second is like it. What? The second greatest commandment is like the first greatest commandment. And what is it? What it? Love others. Love others, right? We make it simple. Love others. It says, Love others. That is a proactive stance to take with the people in your life. He says to love them. You love them. And he talks over and over what that love looks like. We, and we, we'll, we'll walk down those, those trails again. You brought up our social media world. Right? Our social media world is great in some ways. It is poison in other ways. And we, and we know this, right? It's a great man. It's, it's a double-edged sword. And both swords are very, very sharp. Uh, But I wonder, with all of its ways that it connects us and gives us ways to communicate, uh, I wonder if it's subtly teaching us that who we are is a function of what people think about us. Because how do we manage, how do so many of us, me included, Manage our social media presence, right? It's how to get people to notice us in some way. To give feedback to us. To affirm us. To engage with us, right? And it's true, man. I think the science on this is true. You know, there's, there's receptors in your brain that fire dopamine. It's, I'm very scientific with this um, You know when you get those uh, when you get those interactions when you get those affirmations when you But what it what it's training us to do I think in subtle ways Is develop ourselves in ways so that we are receiving from others right And what jesus says over and over and over over is that who you are is a function of how you love and honor others how you love, and honor others, not what you get from them. Right, So nobody likes me. What is this phrase? Are we asking ourselves if we like others in a nobody likes me mindset? Are we investing in others proactively in a nobody likes me mindset? The amazing thing about what happens in this story with Zacchaeus is that Jesus never waited to be valued or wanted. You're like, well, he's Jesus. So? He, he's human, right? He never waited to be valued or wanted. Jesus is crazy here. Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today, Zacchaeus. He somehow knew his name. Well, he's Jesus. I don't really care what you or others think of me. I'm going to come to your place and I'm going to love you. And it just so happens that Zacchaeus is this guy to the crowd who's hard to love. But Jesus says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to invest in your life. I'm going to get to know you. And I'm going to be with you, Zacchaeus. And what's the effect? changed him forever forever so there's a lot more that could be said here i'm not going to say it thank you but what we want to do tonight is not just talk to you about this but we want to give you a way to truly practice this so we have a uh, uh, we have a five-layer discipleship strategy here that we employ with uh, LFC. And one of the really, really important layers of that is how we help people engage with each other in this very kind of way, in purposeful relationships. Um, So uh, we we have built a structure so that if you want to know, like, how can I do this? How can I practice this? How can I I do this right now? Well, here it is. We want to help you to do that. And we call it the Church of Two. Um, and uh, we've had a lot of people that have been engaged for this, uh, with this for a couple years, and uh, Natalie wants to come and talk to you um, a little more about the particulars of that.
1: It's warm. Um, <laughs> so he's talking about Church of Two. Raise your hand if you know what that is. Raise your hand if you are currently in a Church of Two partnership. Cool. Okay. I'm just making sure I know who is. Okay. So, Church of Two is the brainchild of this girl, Andrea, from LFC, like, a couple years ago. She thought it would be really cool to, like, get people together for intentional friendships and kind of, like, forced friendships or less awkward, more just easier ways to to get one-on-one with someone and get really deep in the ways that Carrie was talking about. And so uh, she wasn't even an intern. She just had an idea and introduced it. And now it's a big part of our layers of Longhorns for Christ. Um, So Church of Two, I have this little, I guess it's guidelines for your first meeting with your Church of Two partner. And I'm going to invite two people up who are in a partnership to talk about their experience so you can get kind of an idea of what it is but this says um, I was just assigned a church of two partner what do I do the first thing is you're going to get a little card with your person's contact so all the cards on your let's look at those right now the cards that were on your chairs Um, if you're interested in this and I think you should be because it's a really cool thing um, you'll sign up on this card, put your info, and then turn it in at the table or give it to me, and I'll kind of shuffle them up and pair you with someone who's your own gender, um, and you'll meet with them, so this is talking about what to do during your first, um, and I'll, I'll exchange the info cards, then it's up to you, it's like to arrange stuff, so, um, you meet with your partner the first time, um, and you like set up some sort of meeting, you ask each other three discipleship questions during that first meeting. Like, where have you been previously in your faith journey? Where has God taken you in your life before? Uh, where are you right now? Where does God have you right now? Um, where do you hope to be? Where do you think God is taking you? And so you'll talk about those three things. It's just kind of like getting to know each other the first time. Um, and then that first meeting, you'll choose a book and um, a place, a pace to study. So Church of Two is kind of like set up around um, the idea that you'll be reading something together and learning and growing um, So yeah, it could be a book in the Bible, a book about the Bible, a book about Christianity or something that you can somehow relate to. You could read Lord of the Rings together and be nerdy and say like, this is how it relates to the Old Testament or something. I don't know. So then you're going to set up a regular meeting time and place. Um, So the goal is that you'll meet with this person for at least a a good hour um, every week and you'll talk. Um, And that time can be whatever it is. And then The last thing you'll do at this first meeting and at every other meeting is to pray together. Always pray together. Um, Pray for each other. Pray about your meeting times. Pray over the room you're meeting in. Pray about the struggles and triumphs and stuff in the news, uh, strengths that are revealed to you about your partner or um, things that you're struggling with that you need prayer for. Um, And pray that you'll both be strengthened in faith and missionary vision. So Lucy and Hannah are Church of Two Partners as of this year. You want to come? Come talk? Yeah! Okay. So I want to ask you guys, did you know each other before Church Two? How did you become friends? How did you become partners? (laughs)
2: Natalie gave me Lucy's card, and I had seen Lucy at some of the Welcome Week things, but no, we did not know each other very well.
1: What do you guys do every <laughs> week? What does your Church of Two time look like?
2: <laughs> we meet on Fridays after class, so that we have like a nice like go into the weekend thing. And we started out just meeting at the Campus Center, but then we were like, wow, we're hungry. So then we started getting Alan to pick a place
1: for us to go eat. <laughs> Yeah, so they, there are a bunch of study rooms upstairs where you can meet, and it's super convenient and easy. This is on campus, but if one of y'all has a car, and that's the thing. Sometimes I pair someone with a car with someone who doesn't. You can go. I did Church of Two last year with Sarah, and we went to a different coffee shop every week, and that was really cool. And we just, like, read a chapter of the Bible and talk. So it can be anything, and it's really beneficial. Um, Do you guys have anything?
2: Um, so our first experience with Church of Two, I think we were a little bit nervous, like going into it because we both sat up there on the third floor and we were like, I don't know what to talk about. This is really weird. So (laughs) yeah. Um, but one of the really cool things that we found with Church of Two is like, A lot of times in organized church like this, there has to be a certain time and a certain day, and it has to last for a certain amount of time. You have to talk about a certain thing. But with Lucy and I, we're able to like, hey, I'm really busy this Friday. Can we meet Monday instead? Or, hey, um, I really need to talk a little bit extra this week. So we've stayed for like two and a half hours before um, talking, and it's kind of just like, We read a book of Ephesians every week, but before that, we're talking about like big questions that we have and like just whatever is going on that week. And like, um, have you heard about this thing? And what does this mean? And um, it's just really good to be able to talk that out with somebody um, who you know is like a Christian and who you're going to see every week. So that's really cool. So you should do Church of Two. Faux
1: show. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, so I want to encourage you to think about that. And uh, if you have any interest in that, you can fill out the, uh, the card that's on your seat uh, and leave that on, on the table uh, over here. And yes? Card. If, you want to... if you haven't been paired, then go ahead and redo your card and uh, put that on the table and uh, we'll help you. Uh, with that, so we want to we want to to make this easy uh, for you and uh, just and give you a great vehicle uh, to practice this in a, in a really significant way, uh, and we think that lives really can be um, impacted by this, and not just in those Church of Two partnerships, but this can be uh, how you practice really uh, being real with people. Uh, just on a on a general and daily basis, because you know you can do it, uh, and it's and it's really significant. Uh, so we're going to pray about that, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll worship a little more, and then we're going to uh, move into uh, our communion time. So Father, thank you uh, for how you uh, how you challenge us in the person of Jesus, and how you used him to show us um, how significant uh, breaking through. Uh, with people individually, uh, can be, and how you valued the person um, by showing that to us in in, in extremely um, life changing ways uh, with Jesus Himself, and we're thankful for how we are pursued individually uh, by Jesus and how He comes to us and says, "I want to know you, and I want to share." hearts with you. Uh, And it's scary for us as a people in a uh, sometimes very closed off uh, kind of culture where we pretend to be connected, uh, but we're not. And it's vulnerable. You call us to that. Uh, But thanks for making being vulnerable very safe in your arms. And we pray this right now in the name of Christ. Amen.